Welcome or welcome back to episode four of Lift You Up. So glad to see you here and to introduce you to today's guest. But before I do, you know, I'm going to ask you for a little favor. Subscribe to my YouTube channel or give me a follow on Instagram at Tamika Bickham TV. I'd love to connect with you there. But today, talking to a man who doesn't have a usual story, but who does? NFL player. He had a career-ending injury his rookie year. Went to medical school after some inspiring words from his mother before she passed. So he went back in his 30s and now has his own practice, is a holistic doctor specializing in medical marijuana and also working with other former NFL players. He's got a really interesting path, an interesting view on medicine, and I'm excited for you to hear a little bit more about him. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want, it is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Dr. Hervé Damas. Did I say it right? Oh, we messy <laughs> Thank you yes, so much for being here with me today. Um, if I run down the list here, your practice is Dr. Damas Wellness, which is holistic medicine, and you specialize in using mm-hmm. cannabis or medical marijuana. You are a former NFL player, went to medical school later in your life, in your 30s, and now you are a very busy man. <laughs> but I'll start from the... <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I guess you always were, but probably even busier than you thought you would be at one point years ago. <laughs> I think we met, um, yeah. I think it was probably close to a year ago now at the Dolphins, uh, Finns Weekend Alumni um, Fundraiser. Yeah. So, you know, I played with the Buffalo Bills. I played one year, blew my knee out um, early on uh, my rookie year. Um, so it was kind of like wow. a devastating part of my life because I started playing football in high school. And I fell in love with it I, as soon as I started playing, like, a, a, you know, organized football. And I made up my mind. I think my sophomore year in high school was like, I'm going to the NFL. So I remember saying, like, this is what I want to do. And I put a lot of time into it. And I had a really good collegiate career. Um, really happy. You know, I can tell you, I love playing football. It was kind of like, you know, it was my thing. You know, you find this thing, you're like, this is it. I love this stuff. I love everything about it. So it kind of helped me define myself yeah. as a young man. After, you know, making it to the league, boom, my, there it is. My knee blows mm-hmm. out. I didn't understand the severity of it at the time. So I, you know, I tore, there are four ligaments in your knee that hold your knee together. I completely tore one of them. I had like a 90% tear Mm. on another and 50% tears on two of the other ones. And and I tore some cartilage. I mean, it was just completely just basically shredded. And uh, 
remember the surgeon, <laughs> the team doctor, this is funny. So I'm like, I got this knee injury and I'm like, I can't believe this is the first major injury in my, in my, in my life. And I remember going to the, to the library in Buffalo and, and researching articles on knee surgery and reconstruction and bringing them back to the team surgeon and saying, hey, I did some research on reconstructive knee surgery. This is what I found. I would like you to do this to me. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you know what? You're a pretty bright dude. You might consider going to medicine. And I was like, medicine? You're going to fix my knee and I'm going to play football 10 more years. I'm going to go Hall of Fame. This is, I've got this all planned out. Everything's going to be all right. I'm going to go back and play football. And he patted me on my shoulder and like real patriarchal type and was like, sure you are. And I was upset. How dare you? You know, you don't know what right. I'm capable of. You know, how dare you tell me? He was absolutely right. People don't recover from those kind of injuries. You do not recover. It's very rare uh. that somebody recovers from it. You know, some people have, but it's rare. So it took me a couple of years to figure out what I wanted to do with myself, you know, kind of mm -hmm. loss of identity, um, not a football player anymore. So I got into uh, strength and conditioning, health and fitness, because I was training all the time and I was always interested in what's the best way to take care of my body, prepare myself to excel in my sport. I'd spent so much of my time doing that. I had like amassed all this personal knowledge right. on this stuff. And I was like, well, you know, what else am I going to do with myself? I, this is, I'm already doing this anyway, might as well. When you train for sports and sports performance, it's, it's different than when you train for right. health and fitness because the man, it's more rigorous. It's it's like, you know, it's similar, but it's right. two different things. And right. so when we got into fitness, you're dealing with general population. You've got to start thinking about people who have, let's say, injuries or illnesses, which, you know, you have to modify programs for, right. you know, you're dealing with geriatrics, you're dealing with pregnant women, you're dealing with all this stuff. And so I got into personal training, got a bunch of certifications and training. Uh, I was like, you know, a fitness kind of like uh, expert person at the time, which is funny. I was teaching like step aerobics <laughs> and kickboxing. I, you see I that? would <laughs> like to see one of your step aerobics photos. And then I got a yoga certification. So I was doing all this stuff. And then I, I got a job offer from a school in New Jersey. Um, it's called Trenton State College. It's now called the College of New Jersey. And you need a wellness director. And I went there, I went to New Jersey and became their wellness director. And I started teaching in the Department of Health and Exercise Science. So kinesiology, um, principles of, you know, exercise science, specific sports, and was doing all this stuff and um, started lecturing for um, American College of Sports Medicine. And, uh, and in 2002, um, we kind of had a world shifting event my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer again again and um she passed away yeah so 1995 my last before i was leaving to go to the bills when i was graduating she was diagnosed the first time mm. so as i was training to go to the league i would like you know train and then go take my mom to chemo or radiation therapy when i was uh, a senior in college so you know seven years later this cancer returns and you know we kind of thought that 
she was being monitored and everything, you know, she was going for her mammograms and her tests and, you know, we thought everything was fine. One day I get a call from my brother and says, she's in the hospital, she's been having problems breathing and they thought she had a pneumonia. One of the residents there pulled me aside for whatever reason and said, hey, listen, your mom doesn't have pneumonia because your mom has a history of breast cancer. I think this is metastatic breast cancer and you should get your mom out of here to another hospital because she's not getting it. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, you know, I got a phone call about pneumonia. I come in the hospital here. My mother's barely breathing. And now you're telling me that there's like, and now you're pulling me to the side. You give me a side conference and you're telling me my mom is dying of cancer. Like, (laughs) and and I remember him saying, listen, the only reason I know this because I saw this in medical school. You know, I've seen this before. And I remember him saying, if you tell anybody I said this, I'll deny it. (laughs) He's like, you need to get your mother out of here. But if you tell anybody I told you, I'll deny it. Because he was lower rung on the totem pole. You know, medicine is very hierarchical. So I was fortunate, had a good friend um, who's a cardiologist in New York City. And I called him. I said, this is what they told me. And he said, we're going to get your mother into a better hospital transferred her over, lo and behold, was absolutely right. Her cancer had returned. And uh, during that time, this was when like things started to like build up in me that I needed to do something more. Because, you know, you go to a hospital and all these doctors are talking to you and they're using terms and they're giving you choices. You know, like, I have no idea what you're talking about, right? Like, what is that? Being there, yeah. Yeah, right? And you feel kind of, yeah, man. And you feel, um, you feel a little bit like incompetent or insecure. And, you know, you just said, this is my mother. And like, I wish I could do more. Um, So that was when it first started building up in me. Like, whoa, there's something I should like a little bit more. And then this is the interesting thing. About a year later, uh, I'm visiting her and she says to me, hey, why don't you come sit down? Come talk to me. I'm like, hey, what's up? She goes, yeah, I really like you coming by and visiting me all the time like this. You're always like, you're a great son. You come by and you visit me. I really like it. And I was like, well, you know, it's nothing. You know, you're my mom. What am I like not going to come visit you? She goes, but uh, tell me about you. Are you happy? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, hey, you know, are you happy? I started giving her my accomplishments and my tangibles, you know? So I was kind of like, I got a great job. I got a title. I just bought an expensive new car, you know? She's like, that's great, but are you happy? And then I started like giving her like other things. Well, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I look great and blah, blah, blah. And I'm writing this and I was in an article and she goes, yeah, that's great. But again, you haven't answered my question. Are you happy? So I remember um, like doing one of those breaths, like, oh man, like who does this woman want? You know, like, yeah, man, my mom is up to something. So I was like, all right, ma, what is it? And she's like, well, listen, when you were playing football, when you were pursuing that, there was something about you. I can tell there was an energy, there was a fire. You had this thing about you. Because now, she was like, I see you come, you come and you visit me. I think it's great, but it's not the same. She's, you know, you're missing something. I was like, what? You know, I was like, what? Like, I 
thought I was doing okay here. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm a professor, I got the center, like, you know, making money. And then she says to me, well, aren't you into all this health stuff and body and, you know, you know, taking care of yourself with all your job right now? Why don't you become a doctor? And that was again, not the second time that was I gave her to you. That was the second time. And I said, a doctor? You want me to go back to school and do yeah, all that work exactly. at this age? So it was 32 at the time, 32 or 33. And she said to me, well, you never struck me as the kind of guy who's afraid of hard work. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, oh. And I see what you're doing. I remember like that, like hitting me hard. And did she still, she had breast like, cancer at this, at this time. She was still going through treatments and she was still, you know, you know, unbeknownst to me, that she was going to die about eight months after that, six to eight months. So she was really looking back. She was giving me something. August 2004, she passed away. I packed my stuff up. I was in Miami. I got to Miami election day, 2004. I was gone. I was like, I'm going to med school. So January 2005, I started classes again as a uh, freshman at FIU down here. So started like bio 101 and chemistry 101. (laughs) Yeah. I think I was 33. I think it might have been 33 or 34 at the time. (laughs) Fast forward. Want to go to medical school overseas. Went to Medical University of the Americas in Nevis. St. Kitts and Nevis. Beautiful Mm -hmm. little island. Small little place. Yeah. So went spent two years over there and then came back to uh, the States. Went to Chicago to do my clinicals. And then uh, went to New York. Did my internship in general surgery in the Bronx at uh, Albert Einstein in Montefiore, which was an incredible experience. You know, I got to, I like, I got to do like that real crazy doctor mm-hmm. stuff you see on the TV shows, like, <laughs> like, you know, pushing patients, like saving lives, like New York City trauma. It was crazy. It was, it was an incredible experience, but it was, it was, a, it wore me out. <laughs> it was no joke. It was for real, for real. When I got back to Miami, I started my radiology program and something felt off. I was literally miserable going to work every day. I had to give myself pep talks. I had anxiety. Like it was in a dark room and you sit in front of computers. You don't have a lot of patient contact. You're just speaking to a microphone interpreting images. Started having the anxiety during my, my surgery internship and, uh, you know, which was odd because I'd already always been a confident person, like real confident person. So I was like, this is really weird that I'm walking to a room full of people and my heart is beating fast. I have no reason. I have like no reason to feel so anxious, but I do. And I had also been suffering from headaches. I think sometimes that's our body telling us that something's not right, that something's off. Correct. And that we need to make a change. Yes. That's more in line with what we should be doing. A lot of people shelve that feeling or push that feeling aside and just deal with it because they're doing what they think they should be doing instead of doing what is really right for them. It's hard for us to prioritize ourselves over everything else. You know, I think even the current situation, for example, with the coronavirus, where we're really 
which is odd to me, having this debate over whether we should send people back to work and risk their lives, right? Or should people stay home and protect themselves? You, you shouldn't be in a society where you have to make that kind of choice, right? right? I mean, there's something fundamentally wrong with that. Tell me about the transition um, then to your own practice and what you're doing now so, um, yeah. with medical marijuana. And yeah, let's get into all that. Because I was having all these things go on, these headaches and anxiety, and I figured out the more exercise that I got, the better I was, like the better I felt. So I was running like six miles a day up and down hills and I was lifting weights. And if I didn't do it, I was in bad shape. I couldn't sleep, I couldn't concentrate, I couldn't study. So it's like, I have to do this. I kept on doing it so much that I hurt myself, had surgery. And when I had the surgery, um, they prescribed me Oxycontin and Percocets for pain. And luckily for me, they made me feel so sick, yeah. I couldn't take them. I would rather have the pain from this surgery than the feeling from these Percocets or this Oxycontin. position, it's awful. Right? Well, yeah, it's awful. And then, you know, I still had the anxiety, so I was beside Xanax for that. And insomnia, that made me groggy, so I was like, I can't take these benzodiazepines because I can't function when I'm on them. But if I don't take them, I can't sleep. So I started taking Benadryl, and I still had the headaches. So it was on this cocktail of Tylenol and Benadryl to go to sleep, sometimes in Xanax. Sounds like a dangerous right? combination. Oh, man. So it was like I was medicating myself and trying to find a way. And uh, someone I was with was like, hey, dude, you should smoke some weed. And I was like, weed? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? If weed worked, I would know. I mean, I'm a big brain. I'm an expert. I'm a know-it-all. And I don't know anything about this. But this weed stuff does not work. About six months of this stuff. And I was like, so... I think I'm ready to try some of this weed. Like, I think I went through a period where I didn't sleep for four days and I was oh like gosh. in so much pain and my head was exploding. I smoked the weed and everything felt better. Um, everything. I didn't believe it the first night. Smoked the second night and I slept. I remember sleeping like 12 hours. Headaches were gone, anxiety. And I was like, no way. Like, impossible. There's no way this yeah. can be a coincidence. Right, and I remember like taking a night off and not doing it, and then and not sleeping well, and then the third night I was like I had to try it again just to be sure. Went to sleep, went to the hospital the next morning. I felt great, no anxiety, there's no pain. And I was like, there's something to this, and I got to find out what it is. So that set me down this pathway. I get to Mount Sinai, and they're like, you can't smoke weed anymore. So here I am in this job that I can't stand. And now I've got the anxiety. I've got the headaches and again. My body's hurting me. I hadn't yet discovered CBD, right, as part of it. So I'm like, something is really wrong here. I don't think I belong here. So in 2017, they came out with the regulations, and I started my own practice. In 2017. And then shortly thereafter, in 2017, and shortly thereafter, uh, the hospital was like, cease and desist homie like you can't be an employee here and then having this medical marijuana thing going on right so i try to slow play them i try a whole bunch of stuff and then 
you know, they were like, you're going to have to choose, like, we're going to support it. And so that was like, you know, that was a big decision I had made in my life. So I gave up my, 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 my residency spot in, in radiology. It's the best decision I ever, like, it's the best decision I've, I'm, so happy with what and, I'm Because even aside from being an so entrepreneur, much- I mean, your body was telling you before that what you were doing wasn't really... <laughs> yeah, I was vibrant. Right. <laughs> it wasn't really your purpose. It wasn't really <laughs> fulfilling you to the, in the way that you wanted to be. So tell me, okay, since you've started your practice, it's holistic medicine. Tell me about exactly who you serve and what you do. So I started my practice and I'm like, what am I going to do, right? I've never run like my own business before outside of being a trainer, what am I going to do? I said, well, how did this happen? How did I wind up in this situation? It was like, I got beat up playing football, so basically, right? We know now the NFL has admitted that football, the concussions from it contribute to these headaches, to these psychological things that right. were going on, right? So I was it makes sense to me, you know, it started making sense. Like, why is my head exploding all of a sudden? Like, why am I having mood disturbances and I can't sleep? So I said, there's got to be a bunch of other football players like me. So I went to our chapter meeting, our retired players chapter meeting in South Florida. Um, That's how my practice really started was with former players. You know, my teammates, we call it a fraternity, but they really supported. It was really former beginning. players going now, through these symptoms that you talked about: the headaches, mood swings, mood swings, mood disturbance, rage, you know, fits of rage, chronic pain, debilitating pain, opioids. You know, some of them had had issues with opioid addiction in the past from painkiller. You know, and so we're like, I'm still in pain, but right. I don't want to do that. You know, anymore. It took me forever to get off of it. They would invite me into their homes and the spouses would say, I like Jesus Christ, I hope you're the solution mm. to what's going on. He's not the mm. same person that he was. And, you know, that's something that a lot of us don't consider that there's, you know, other people that have to live through this as this wow. person deteriorates. Yeah. And, you know, for the most part, you know, knock on wood, I have had the answer. It's incredible, but you know, and, it has and, worked. And well. what exactly and it's has, also, do you feel like has worked? So one of the things was having somebody go to them, go to somebody instead of asking them to mm. go out and look for help. Having somebody who was like, "Hey, listen, I'll come to you." And for for a lot of people, you know, to have somebody who went through the same experience, you know, who's right. now on the other side and who's showing compassion and concern. That was really important because you basically get, you get discarded and you feel discarded, you know, and then here's this person that comes in and it's like, listen, man, I'm here for you. Like, I'm here for you. Like I literally drove across the state for you. And so I think there was the, you know, the genuineness of like, hey, I'm here because this is specifically important to me. And then the second thing was, a lot of people had these mood disturbances, high anxiety, you know, introducing cannabis to them in a safe and legal way where they're not buying junk from the street, which could come from wherever and have whatever mixed into it, but also get guidance. So having somebody that can say, you know, for your particular circumstance, when you go to the dispensary, this is what you want to purchase. 
this is what's going to work for you. You're going to take this amount, like, like a regular medication. Really, that's what I was doing. You know, custom formulations for each person. And then we talk about healthy living. So as time goes on, you know, we start kind of like expanding the focus of our interaction, which was like, first, we're going to like take care of the immediate things which are holding you back. And then now we're going to go expand. All right. Are you, you know, exercising? Are you seeing a therapist? You know, I referred a lot of guys to mental health, you know, uh, specialists. The NFL benefits program sometimes is really difficult to work through. So I was able to help them in terms of write letters on their behalf and steer them through the right direction. And as that happened, they started recommending friends and family to me. So I opened my first center and, you know, kind of expanded things. And, you know, I had an herbalist on staff um, because that was something that people had been asking me for, and that wasn't really my forte. And I was able to meet a wonderful woman who this is yeah. her thing and other modalities of healing, sound healing, yoga, non-invasive things, things to make you feel better, meditations, you know, all these things that traditionally you wouldn't find at a physician's office, you know, but have some efficacy in terms of helping you get in a better state of wealth, and, uh, health. Exactly, wealth, right? Yeah. Health is wealth. <laughs> I've decided like, to like, kind of like, you know, kill the golden goose, this radiology position, like I'm all in now, I'm gonna start re- researching. Like a total learn. switch from like traditional medicine, <laughs> radiology in a hospital. Yeah. And now you're talking about yeah. sound therapy, yoga, <laughs> yeah. and weed, a concierge weed. service. <laughs> like what just happened? Is this what mama was talking about? <laughs> Yeah, right. So I was like, I've done it now. I've got myself into something mad. But right? I bet your anxiety I was, like, was well, gone. It, were you having listen, like the most was, fun was, of your life? It's like somebody put a battery in my back. Like I was like yeah. off and running, you know. And because what's funny is, you know, because I have this unique background of, you know, having been in the NFL and then, you know, becoming a doctor, which is, you know, a rare combination. There are a few of us who have done that. So that's that's a curiosity right. for a lot of people. And I started getting more, you know, media as a result of that. So as that happened, it was like, hey, you know, it was kind of like, hey, there's this dude, <laughs> there's this guy. He used to play football. It was like a doctor who's all into this weed stuff. We'll it does, I'll, I'll be honest, it does right? make for a great story. But what I really like about it is that you can speak from personal experience and how it's benefited you and having been there and gone through the things that your patients are going through. Um, But then you can also speak from the scientific side of things and having been trained, you know, going through medical school. So you have both sides of it and at least two perspectives to work from. You know, I've developed good rapport with other physicians because they know that if you send me a patient and I have pediatricians that send me patients, I have oncologists, I have, you know, interventionalists that send me patients because they know what I'm telling them is the best scientific advice that they can get. Why do you think more people are looking for these holistic options when it comes to medicine outside of traditional medicine? Some of it is financial um, because you know, health insurance costs a lot of money. Uh, doctor's visits and procedures cost a lot of money. 
So people have started to kind of like take control of their own health as much mm-hmm. as possible. I think the second thing is, um, I think the demographics in our society have changed a lot in, in terms of you have people from a lot of other cultures and societies who have come into our um, American culture. And with that, you bring some of your own background. In that. So I'm Haitian. I grew up kind of around that. You know, my mother always was into herbs and kind of like these homeopathic, right. you know, remedies. And a lot of, you know, South American, Latin American, you know, yeah. Caribbean people, African, they have that same thing. And then are you coming to America and you, you're not completing let, letting that go? And then I think third is the avail- availability of information with the internet. Maybe the combination of all those things has people kind of saying, wait a minute, you know, there is something to this. And, you know, my my place is in it is to say, yeah, there is, and here's the science right. behind it. For anybody listening, what is a health tip um, that you would have that somebody can implement today, tomorrow, right away, maybe something that you live by? It is recognizing when your body is speaking to you. For me, as, as a like former tough guy football player, who's the mental aspect of things, right? I was going through this period in my, when something I wasn't supposed to be doing what I was doing and I kept fighting against it. As a result, I felt really, really yeah. bad. I've been there. When you're going, <laughs> I, I think, have been there. Yeah. <laughs> you've been there, right? Well, I mean, you've done it. If it's not work, it's it could be yeah. work, it could be relationships. You know, don't be afraid of change. Listen, if it doesn't feel right, then it's not right. I was telling a patient this. I like to speak in analogies to people. So I was telling her about her body. And I said, just imagine if your body was a car. It's your vehicle. It takes you around. It takes you where you want to go. It allows you to do what you need to do, right? And I said, you got to take care of it. And I think we're all seeing this right now with coronavirus going on, is if we don't have our health, we don't have anything. I find it morally reprehensible that, you know, we have to make these kind of decisions of like, hey man, she's die or go to work. With all the wealth that we have in this place, people shouldn't be living the way that they should. Not to be a bleeding heart, but I mean, come on, there's so much excess in this place, right? <laughs> it's it's not right. But we can't control that part. But what we can do is control certain things around us, how we spend our time. Any last things that you would like to add that you you want people to know? The current situation, we can tie everything to the current situation. Um, There's a lot of disinformation out there, a lot of bad information. Make sure that you're getting information from sources that are reputable and trustworthy you know, can be easily steered off course. So find really good sources that always have scientific references. I would say also take care of your mental health yeah. right now. You know, we're isolated, um, you know, things have changed, we're not working, we have a lot of stressors. Um, you know, let's try to find good ways to cope. And that includes prayer if you're spiritual, meditation, includes communication. Sunlight is really, really, really important. This is the only time that you probably have had in a long time to mm-hmm. be by yourself. You know, take advantage of it. 
and be good to yourself. I love that. Perfect note to end this on. Thank you so much, doctor, for sharing all that you did today. So if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? About the center, you can go to um, drdamas.com, D-R-D-A-M-A-S.com. On social media, you can follow me. I'm most active on Twitter. It's at Damas Herve, D-A-M-A-S-H-E-R-V-E. So you can follow me on Twitter. And if you ever need to call uh, our office, it's real easy. It's um, 833-362-3262. We are still seeing patients. We are doing things via telemedicine. We're able to recertify patients via telemedicine. And, and I'll make med- sure to put all of that information in the show notes. People know how to find you and reach out to you there. So thank you so much. And awesome. please stay healthy, stay safe to you, your loved ones, your colleagues, and everyone in between. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Definitely, you know, fun, fun interview, different perspectives. I think something we didn't get to in that interview um, that I thought was interesting because a lot of businesses are having to change and pivot and change how they do business right now during this pandemic. And he also mentioned since he does medical marijuana certifications or certifications that that all had to be done in person. Well, Obviously, we are trying to social distance, limit the amount that we are in person with other people. So actually during this time, it is now approved or he is now approved to do medical marijuana recertifications, which have to be done every seven months virtually. So that is a win um, for him and his business. Obviously, a lot of telehealth and telemedicine needing to adapt to those type of changes. But really, there's no reason why we can't do so many of these things virtually. So um, be sure to connect with him. Again, his information, contact information is going to be below in the show notes. And thank you again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Please go ahead and leave me a review wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Also, please subscribe to my YouTube channel or give me a follow on Instagram at Tamika Bickham TV. I always look forward to hearing from you. Until next time.